Welcome to Stacy on the Right here on Family Vision Media. FamilyVisionMedia.org is the site. And don't forget to check me out at night on SiriusXM's Patriot Channel 125. Super excited to have with me a good friend and amazing leader in this space for all things thought-oriented, Patrice Anwuka, Director at the Center for Economic Opportunity at Independent Women's Forum at IWF.org. Actually, it's www.iwf.org online, and you can find her article in today's show notes. Patrice, thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me, Stacey. It's a pleasure. I'm glad you're here because we have a lot of discussion that we need to do and specifically on some polling. You did some research here and you know what the top five issues that are facing all Americans as we go into this election. Absolutely. If this is no surprise to you, Stacey, to me or your listeners, inflation is number one. I looked at the most recent polling across five different major national polls, everything from Politico and Washington Post to Rasmussen. And number one, it is inflation. Voters, likely voters, they care about their pocketbook issues. This should not be a surprise to us. I do think it's going to be a surprise to the left and to a lot of media pundits because they think that other issues should be number one. And then, you know, followed by across the different polls, you see abortion registering around number three, the economy broadly is number two, and then some of those other either wedge issues or, you know, tertiary issues like immigration and crime, those are coming up for fifth place. But number one, it's inflation. It is how people can, you know, afford day-to-day life, just maintaining their standard of living given these rising prices. So when we talk about those top five issues and you round out with crime, I think for Americans who live in those certain counties across the country that they don't have a murder every year, like there's literally zero murders in their county on an annual basis, They're looking at inflation, but for people who are dwelling in major cities across the country, crime is probably more of an issue than anything else for them. But of course, inflation kind of trumps that. If you haven't been victimized by crime, you know crime's serious, but your pocketbook is hurting you even more. I think you're right. I mean, I think these polls are national polls, so they're going to be averages. But when you dig into regions, which um, the crosstabs don't do, they look at maybe gender, race, income levels. But I'm sure if you were to ask people who are living in New York City, who are living in Baltimore, who are living in San Francisco, San Diego, you know, Portland, Chicago, obviously, some of these cities, but even smaller cities in the Midwest, Milwaukee, a lot of cities are dealing with rising crime, whether that's rising violent crime, particularly shootings, or just even smaller crimes that may not get prosecuted at the same levels that they have been in the past. I do think that's going to be a major local issue. And so, you know, there's pretty much two things. The economy stupid, which former President Clinton was famous for, yeah. explaining why, you know, the elections turn out the way they do. But then the other is all elections are local. And so I think those two maxims are kind of competing against one another here. But I think big picture, people are concerned about how much they're spending every day and whether they can afford the same quality of life they had six months ago, a year ago. And then if you're in a higher crime area, you absolutely are concerned about the wanton random violence that we're seeing. So let's talk more about the inflation. According to Joe Biden, it's down. Karine Jean-Pierre from the White House Press Briefing Room, inflation is moving in the right direction. I'm not seeing that at the grocery store, Patrice. I'm actually spending a whole bunch because I thought when I reached this point in our lives, 
where we have one adult living at home with us. So there's three people. None of us are really huge eaters. We just eat like regular people. We don't eat every meal at home. So I'm not talking about three meals a day, seven days a week. I go to the grocery store and I use the little double-decker cart, the tiny cart. I hate the big cart now. I don't want to use it anymore. It's just too big for me. So I use a little double-decker and I used to be able to fill it up and have bags hanging off the sides on the hooks. And I would spend about $230. Now I never get out of there spending less than $330. And I don't have a cart of meat like Patrice. I'm not talking about steaks and whatnot. I just I have some chicken. I have some fish. I might have one or two steaks, but certainly not enough to last a whole week. And I'm spending over $300. I kind of feel like no matter what they say, nothing trumps what you spend when you're actually at the grocery store. And then you push the cart out and you're thinking, I used to spend 200 bucks for this or even less. Absolutely. I mean, interestingly, the Wall Street Journal, their polling just this week looked at kind of how inflation is hitting Americans in different household income levels. And we all know that if you're poor or lower income households, you're going to feel the brunt of inflation more disproportionately because you're spending more of your income on it, right? But now we're seeing the impacts of inflation hit the upper middle class and upper classes. And so you're having households making 150000 to 200000 I would put that in a pretty high bracket in most cities outside of the coastal areas. But you're seeing a quarter, even a third of those households saying inflation is now creating a major financial strain on them. So you know, inflation is hitting everyone going up the income ladder. And you're right to backtrack President Biden and KPG that inflation is marginally down over the month. But it was, what, 1.4% when President Biden took office, which is actually lower than the Federal Reserve would like. 2% is about what average inflation should be. We are now at 8.2%. So you can't tell me whether it's 8.5 to 8.2 that we're supposed to be celebrating. Because actually, when you look at the food we're spending at home, the grocery bill in essence, that is continuing to increase at about 13%. You feel it. I feel it. Everyone feels it. If you are the person shopping for your groceries in your house, if you're an elitist in Washington, you probably have a housekeeper to do that. So you don't even notice. But I buy milk for my three boys and two of whom are toddlers. I know that I buy a lot of milk each week and I know that I'm spending a whole lot more now than before. And this is the direct result of inflationary federal policies. That's the key. It's not just inflation appeared out of nowhere. It's that inflation was driven by overspending from Washington, unnecessary, reckless spending during a time when the economy was reopening. We should have had a hands-off approach. Instead, Democrats and the president had a hands-on approach, and we are paying the price right now. Yeah, so here's the deal. Let's go. We're going to see people make a huge change in this election cycle for the midterm, that's going to show up everywhere. And I think the proof for me, Patrice, is these polls are are devastating. You go down on your website over at IWF, in your article, you just go straight through them. Politico Morning Consult, Washington Post, ABC, Economist, YouGov, Rasmussen, Investors Business Daily Tip. So these are not right-leaning polls. I mean, obviously, Rasmussen is often, that's right-leaning, but you only have that That's 20% of your result. So four out of the five polls are not right-leaning, and they say the same thing. The numbers are within the margin of error on what they're reporting between the different polls. So that means that Americans are saying the same thing, whether they're speaking to Scott Rasmussen's people or any of these other well-known, hugely influential polls. So we've seen a lot of language 
coming from all quarters, whether it's Whoopi Goldberg or Corrine Jean-Pierre, or if you look at the other spectrum of people like Bill Maher and former President Obama screaming into the microphone to vote for John Fetterman and, you know, vote for Josh Shapiro and vote for Democrats, screaming his voice. He sounded like Dean, Howard Dean from way back in the day. It was unhinged and unbelievable because Barack Obama's known for tempering his comments and coming off as very professorial, which calms the room and makes him seem like he's the only one there who's smart. He was screaming. Hillary Clinton and her husband have started making the rounds again. I'm thinking, I thought we put y'all to bed. Y'all are still around talking. So there, everybody on the left is out and they're warning, well, it'll take days to count. And also don't give the Republicans an opportunity to impeach President Biden. And he even said yesterday, impeach me for what, man, for what? And I'm thinking, well, there's a lot. I could start a list for you. So they're feeling the impact of what this polling is showing, which is that Americans are very unhappy. I think the summer was a bit of a lull because we saw towards the start of the summer and Roe v. Wade became a national issue. Momentum shifted significantly back into the, the D column where it was assumed that, wow, this red wave is going to be tempered. It may not even materialize and that Democrats would do very well on this abortion issue summertime, people were on vacation. They weren't really paying attention to the midterm elections. Well, now they're paying attention. And I think they're thinking about why are they in the financial position that they're in? The media has done a masterful job of gaslighting us to believe that two quarters of negative growth is not a recession and not to believe what you're paying at the gas pump and what you're paying at the grocery store. And then you've got these elites who, like I was saying, they're not touched by inflation the way that blue-collar, working, middle-class folks are, and they want you to be distracted by threats to democracy. Actually, Election Day is democracy in action. People going out to vote is democracy in action. So I think that undercuts their argument. But they're worried that if Americans really vote based on their economic position, which is their most important strategic decision outside of maybe their security, and that's where crime comes in. But if they vote for anything other than those key issues, then their ship is lost. And so it's distraction tactic, and it's not working. President Obama was brought in to be a closer in the last week or so, and he has not closed the deal because it's bigger than just his persona and his railing and rattling and everything that he's doing. It is about the day-to-day realities of whether you can maintain the same quality of life or whether you are now at a point of choosing between heating your home or paying your grocery bills choosing, not even choosing between vacation and not vacation. It's how are you going to make sure that your family can feed itself or buy medicine if you have a sick family member? These are essential, very basic questions that unfortunately Americans are forced into the position of having to answer. And the left doesn't have an answer because they're the cause of the problem. Yeah, they're the cause. But there's something really like it's a point that I think we have to stress, Patrice, as you're talking just then, and you said that, you know, the pain points Americans are feeling. And when you talk about that medication, you know, if you've ever had a sick family member, it's like, that's one of the toughest parts about being sick is you also have to pay, right? You have to pay for your medical care. You have to pay for deductibles and co-pays. And, you know, you might have a high cost drug that you're going to need. It might be something that is a condition where, you're basically going on this high-cost drug and you're going to be using it in perpetuity for the future. There's no end date projected. And that's when it becomes more of a thing of, I know I'm sick and I'm trying to get better, but 
The question is, how can I maintain this? You know, and if you don't have a Cadillac plan through your employer, it can become extraordinarily difficult to face those realities. And I go back to the calculus that people made coming out of the first term of President Trump, where he had delivered on all of these amazing promises. And like you said, inflation below what the Fed recommends, basically effectually zero, even though 1.4% is, that's a number, but still, it was so little inflation. We hadn't talked about it in so long that MSNBC hosts actually feel comfortable saying Americans don't know what inflation really is. We Republicans have taught them about it as a midterm election issue, which is the most ridiculous thing out of all the ridiculous things they've said. But I go back to the calculus people made. They wanted someone who wasn't mean on Twitter. So they traded a booming economy, net zero inflation, peace in the Middle East, Abrahamic Accords, no missile tests from Kim Jong-un, and most importantly, We had domestic tranquility, other than the people screaming about abortion and Trump. People were getting raises. People were moving out of neighborhoods that they thought they'd never escape. But, you know, some families in the middle class were catapulted into the upper class and bought second homes. Kids were being enrolled in private school. Their parents never thought they'd get out of the public school system. It was pretty glorious. And everybody said, no, we don't want to keep this going. We want to make sure that whatever is on Twitter from the president isn't mean. So we're going to give this old dementia addle guy who campaigned him from his basement an opportunity to run this country. And the first thing he did was put a sledgehammer to the oil and natural gas industry, which immediately hurt our pocketbooks. And it really hasn't stopped from there. The pain just keeps spreading. Absolutely. I think the other big piece of this is the pandemic. And people made fear-based decisions as well. You know, I think they thought that the idea that the federal government should take a hands-off approach to the economy and to controlling COVID and to, to schools, I mean, that was really the big battle in 2020, which was, should it be hands-on, heavy-handed government, government can control this thing, or hands-off, let's let this play out, and we'll see what happens. In hindsight, we now recognize the damage that was done by the heavy-handed government approach to businesses, small businesses, mom-and-pop shops, to our kids' education, to their mental physical, emotional well-being because of that heavy-handed government choice. And so I think there's a lot of buyer's remorse. And today, the electorate will be holding accountable, I think, a lot of people who said that they could control the COVID from spreading in the pandemic and instead just destroyed people's lives. I hope that this is a good lesson, a lesson for my, I'm a millennial, and a lesson for my generation on how bad fiscal policy can have a very direct impact on you day to day, you know, and what inflation means and looks like. But it's this is going to be a price that we're going to be paying well beyond tonight and this week. It's going to take some time for inflation to come back down to its normal levels. And the major tool being used right now is just the Federal Reserve raising interest rates. That's meaning a lot of people are locked out of the American dream and, and locked out of the ability to buy their first home or to move up from their starter home to a bigger home and make room for new people to buy starter homes. So we're going to go through some pain and the recession will deepen. And unfortunately, I think we'll see unemployment rise and I think we'll see some economic hardship. But maybe this is a lesson that it is not the federal government that provides for economic freedom and security. It's actually the free market sector and it's actually the private sector operating independent of a heavy hand of government. 
You know how to wrap it up. This is why I love watching you when you're on Fox and Newsmax. I love hearing you on radio. And I'm always so grateful when you have a little bit of time to pop in with us and chat on the podcast or on SiriusXM. It's always so great to hear your voice. And, you know, many blessings on you and your husband and your beautiful boys. Thank you for coming on today, Patrice. Oh, Stacey, thank you. And the same to you. I look up to you. You're one of my mentors in this space. Oh, well, I think that's a little excessive, but I will take it because I love it coming from you. Patrice Anwuka, thank you for joining me today. And let's talk again soon. Absolutely. All right. You know what to do. Head over to familyvisionmedia.org. Check out our podcast. Share the show. Share all of our content. We would love to have you visit us here in St. Louis if you're ever in the area. We have a beautiful library and it's full of fantastic content. And we'd also love to have you check us out online. It's familyvisionmedia.org and we'll see you next time.